Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, man, this has been a good series, friends. I hope you've been challenged through the book of Exodus. We're going to keep going through it. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you, uh, Jason and I, who serves on our senior leadership team, we'll be hanging out in the uh, membership class afterwards. So even if you just want to poke your head in and be like, hey, I just, just wanted to introduce myself, we would love to just put a name with a face and uh, get to meet you same on, on Zoom online. Um, so thanks for, for hanging out here at the South Fork campus. We have uh, Walkertown, the Dub, Dub City is what I call it. Uh, all the cool kids are calling it that. Um, they're meeting uh, right now. Of course, we have the campus uh, Revo North and Rural Hall that's meeting right now. And then everybody watching us online, thanks for hanging out. We've had uh, some beachgoers this, this summer hang out online. And um, people in Wilmington, uh, Myrtle Beach, Dirty Myrtle, love that. Um, Columbia, South Carolina, which is not a beach, but it's there. And uh, people watching there. Um, and so, man, just so many cool places, so many people tuning in. So whether you're on the road or here in town, man, we're just glad. Got a, a really cool team of volunteers that make this happen uh, week in and week out. So uh, whether you're on the road or in the house, uh, we are glad uh, that you're hanging with us today. Um, I uh, occasionally have the opportunity to travel and speak, and I have this travel routine. Whether it's a family trip or a business trip or airplanes or cars, I don't know what it is. Uh, but when I travel, when I go on a trip, I have to have something to drink. I don't know, does this ever happen to you? Like, as soon as I get in the car, I get thirsty. I wasn't thirsty when I was in the house preparing for the trip, but as soon as I get in the trip, as soon as I get in the car, I get thirsty. I got to have something to drink. As soon as I go through the airport security and I know that I'm going to make my flight, Starbucks. That's the first thing past security at the Charlotte Airport or Raleigh Airport or wherever we're at, Greensboro. Get right there on it. Got to have the Starbucks. It makes the airport experience a lot more tolerable. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Then when you get on the plane, what do you do? Like as soon as you reach cruising altitude, they bring the drinks out, right? They're like, just get, let's give these people something to drink. Give them what they want. Um, and I'm the same way in the car. Um, my wife will ask me, she's like, uh, do you want to bring anything for the trip? The girls are going to have a snack. I'm going to have a drink. Do you want to make a drink? I was like, no, nah, I'm not thirsty. I'm not worried about it. Let's go. We get in the car. I pull out of the driveway. There's a Circle K gas station like a half mile down from my road. I'm pulling out. We're driving to my in-law's house maybe a few hours away. And I pull into Circle K and Elizabeth will ask me. She's like, I thought you said you already got gas. I was like, I do. I need something to drink. I am so thirsty. And I'm going to get a honey bun. And so that, like, snacks for a road trip are a necessity. Like, they make it better. They make the time go by a little bit easier. Um, they, you know, they keep you awake, get a little caffeine, a little energy. Um, and, and, like, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a travel must. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I've got to have a snack, something to drink along the road. Well, last week, uh, the Israelites in the book of Exodus, they started a really long road trip. And uh, the, the, the Red Sea was parted, and now they are out of Egypt, out of slavery. Now they're on their way to the promised land, this land that God has said, this will be your land, it'll be your nation, it'll be, you can call it home. It's a promise that God made for them, hence the name promised land. And so in today's text, if you have your Bible, let's do Exodus chapter 15, or if you have the app, you can open it up, all the verses and the points 
from the message today will be found there. Exodus chapter 15 is day one of the road trip. We are pulling out, and it is going to be an awesome time. Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22. Here's what happens. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. I can 100% relate to this. This would have been me. We start the journey, and I'm thirsty. Like, Moses, what are we going to drink? Where are we going to pull over and stop? I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I need a snack. It's a road trip. Now, we realize here in this scripture that it says they were three days from the Red Sea. Three days ago, God parted the Red Sea. But what they don't know at this point is this is going to be a 40-year journey. They're on a 40-year road trip through the wilderness. So three days into 40 years is the equivalency of having to stop at the Circle K a half a mile away from your driveway to begin this journey. So I get it. They're thirsty. They want something to drink. This is the same thing if you're a parent, you have, you have been here before. Like going out of the driveway, Dad, I'm hot. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. She is on my side. Tell her to stop looking at me. Why is he doing that? Like, Dad, turn the air on. I'm hot. The DVD player won't work. Like over and over and over again. Like, so I get where Moses is right here. But here's what surprises me. Scripture says that three days after God parted the Red Sea. Now something tells me that if you went to the beach, or if you're watching right now at the beach, and God split the ocean in half, and you got to walk down it, something tells me three days later you would have not forgotten about that moment yet. And yet... Even though God did an incredible miracle to provide for them, after three days, they're already complaining. They're already doubting. They're already looking at God and being like, okay, God, what gives? We've been here three days. We've pulled out of the driveway, and we're already thirsty. What are you going to do, God? Is God even real? Moses, what are you doing? Where's our water? Where's our snacks? Right? Where, where, where's the entertainment for the journey and, and for the road sh- road trip. How do you experience a miracle like that that God did in these people's lives and yet three days later you have already lost your faith? You're already doubting that God can provide. You're already complaining. You're already whining. You're already turning around and being like, well, I guess nobody has a plan. I guess nothing's going to happen. I guess we're just going to be stuck here in the desert. And they started to complain against Moses. You would think, I mean, three days ago, God parted the Red Sea. Something tells me he can handle the beverage service for the rest of the trip. But these people are like, uh, just like kids, I'm thirsty, I'm so hot, it's a desert, we don't have any water, when are we going to get here, mom, dad, I'm tired, dad, dad, dad. That was their response to Moses, here's Moses' response in verse 25, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, check this out, Moses threw it in the water, and this made the water good to drink. 
It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. I want you to uh, highlight that, underline it, star it, put a smiley face, circle it, whatever in your Bible. God says, looks at Moses and says, I am going to test you in some things. God provided in a very unique way. Uh, they didn't have any water. The water that they did have was undrinkable. And so scripture tells us that Moses looked down and God said, hey, there's a stick right there beside you. Throw it in the water and I'm going to turn all this water into Dasani bottled water and the people will be able to drink it. Moses tosses it in there. All of a sudden, this is the greatest water that they've ever tasted before. This water is amazing. And he threw a stick in it. But the word that points out here, this is going to be a pattern that these people will experience for the next 40 years. So I don't want you to miss it. This is the first time God says it. The book of Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, God's going to do all of this over and over and over again. Here's the first time he says, listen to me, guys. Over this journey... I'm going to test you. There will be ups and there will be downs. And I want you to know, heads up, this is not a pop quiz, right? I don't want you to be caught off guard. There will be tests, hardships and good times. When everything's clear and when you can't even see what's in front of your face, all of this will be a test. Moses, I need you to get this, bro. Your people are going to face tests all the time. But I want you to understand, it's just a test. It's an opportunity every day for you and for me to either pass or fail the test. And God outlines this. He says, I, I don't want you to, 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 to think that I'm not here. I don't want you to think that I've forgotten about you. I'm just telling you, and I, mean, I know you can relate to this. There are times when your life is good and times where it's hard. Times where everything looks clear and the horizons look great and times where it's really cloudy and you're frustrated and you don't know what's getting ready to happen. And I want you to know, Scripture tells us that those things that happen in our lives are tests. Let me see how you're going to respond. Because how you and I respond to the things that we face in life tell us what we think about God. How much we trust God. Where our faith in God is. And so God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to test you in this. So God tells that to Moses, like, between here and the promised land, between here and your new home, you're going to face a lot of tests. This is the point in the story where you as a student walk into the classroom and the, and the teacher tells you at the beginning of the semester, every day when you walk into this classroom, you will come in, you will sit down, you will take out a piece of paper and a number two pencil, and there will be a test. So don't get caught off guard. Don't be surprised. Every day this is going to happen. Verse 27, it says, After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. We go from not having any water to now we're looking at a high. God says, I'm going to test you in this as well. Like We are walking into a sandals resort here. I don't know if you've seen the commercials, but it's all you can eat. It's all you can drink. Palm trees, beautiful beaches, people in tuxedos, even though it's 1,000 degrees, waiting on you for whatever you want. These palm trees, it says, these are actually the palms, scholars tell us, that produce palm dates. Would have been a very, like a delicacy for people, a very, very sweet fruit, something great to eat. God provides 70 of these. 
palm trees, beach, lounge chairs, the whole thing. Enjoy yourself. God says there's going to be ups in life and there will be downs in life and there will be about testing you in those areas and testing your faithfulness. Next chapter, chapter 16. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam. They left the, the, the resort and they journeyed into the wilderness of sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month. Check it out. One month after leaving the land of Egypt. A month ago, the Red Sea was parted and they left Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all of the bread that we wanted. But now you, Moses, you, God, you brought us out into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this. Moses, another test coming your way. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we got some drama queens on our hands in the presence of the Israelites here. Everything is to the extreme. Everything is whining and crying and being a baby about it. Like they, You would think some adults could act like adults when things don't go their way. I know you guys don't ever encounter that, but Moses is living in the midst of this. And this reminds me, Scripture says that the Israelites began to look back on their time in Egypt, and when they didn't have any food to eat in the desert, they looked back and they said, you know what we had in Egypt? We always had three meals a day. We always had bread to eat and, and, and meat in these big pots served family style. Like, forget the fact that you were in slavery. <laughs> but we had three meals a day. This is the Old Testament equivalent of the Time Hop app. I don't know if you're familiar with Time Hop, if you're on Facebook or social media. But here's what Time Hop does. Time Hop, every morning when you get up, it will show you every picture that you posted this day in the years past. So you'll get a little notification that five years ago today, and there'll be a picture that pops up. Maybe you were on vacation five years ago today, or you were eating at some fancy restaurant, or you know, like getting pictures made with the kids, or spending time with friends, just being outdoors. But it'll remind you. And so, and so the Israelites had their phones out, and time hop popped up this morning. They were like, oh, five years ago, we were, we were eating, and there was plenty of meat to eat. And there was plenty of bread to have, and we didn't have to worry about it. And yet here we are in the desert. Now what you don't realize in the Time Hop app is all of the difficulties that five years ago had. You don't remember. It doesn't remind you of the hardships and the pain. All these people could think in this moment, they were looking at the highlight reel. They said, man, I wish, listen to this, I wish we were back in slavery because at least we got three meals a day. God had given their freedom, and he was testing him in this. Uh, if you have your uh, notebooks out, I want you to jot this down. Here's the first test. God says, it's going to be full of tests, this whole journey with me. The first test is this, is the test of timing. This is something that you and I will be tested with. I believe we're tested with it every day. And you got a chance this morning. You can either pass it or you can fail it. You can pass with flying colors or you can bomb it miserably. But you will face this test today. It's the test of timing. Here's what Scripture says. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. And God says this. 
are you going to be able to trust me with my timing? It's been a month since you've been delivered from slavery, but yet you are not in the promised land yet. Will you keep trusting me? Maybe you've been praying about something in your life for a family member to be healed, and for some reason you're still praying over this medical condition and God hasn't made a way yet, and God says, will you trust me with the timing? Maybe you're praying for a situation going on with your job or to get a promotion or a different career or something with the work, something with your finances, and for some reason, you can't figure it out. You don't know why God hasn't already made a way, but God says, all right, so now will you trust me with the timing? It didn't happen on your timing, but will you trust me with the timing? So many things that God does in our lives is directly connected to the timing in which he has. God, I've been praying that my marriage would get better, but it hasn't gotten better yet. When are you going to move, God? When are you going to do something, God? And God says, will you trust me with the timing? It's been a month, two months since they've came out of Egypt, and every single day God is going to test them and say, I have a plan for you today. And it might not meet the plan and the desire that you have, but the big question is, are you going to trust me? You and I will show that we are willing to trust God and what we believe about God every day when it comes to his timing. So here's a question for you. How you doing? How you doing on the test of timing? Are you going to stay faithful? Are you going to keep praying? Are you going to put God at the forefront and say, God, even if it doesn't happen today, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to have faith. I'm still going to believe. We'll see what these people are willing to do with God. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Moses, all right, so I've, I've heard the Israel complaints. I know they're hungry. They want some food. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you'll have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw this. Like, what is this white stuff on the ground in the middle of the desert? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. Moses says, hey, God is made away every morning. You're going to walk outside, and there's going to be this white bread that is on the ground. Isn't God good? And I can imagine God saw this coming ahead of time. Some Israelite piped in. is like, yeah, but Moses, I have a gluten allergy, and I can't eat bread, so what am I going to do? And Moses is probably like, well, some of you aren't going to make it to the promised land, but that's okay. He said, okay, so God is going to give you meat at night. If you don't eat bread, then you can eat meat. If you don't eat meat, then you can eat bread, and God is going to provide for it. Every single day, I'm going to make a way. Isn't God faithful? Isn't he always going to do this with your without gluten allergy? He'll make it happen either way. Then Moses told them this. Check this out. Do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until the morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. Here's what God says. Interesting what God says here. He says, I'm going to give you more bread than you could possibly eat every morning. And I'm going to give you more meat than you can possibly eat every night. But here's the deal. 
no doggy bags. No Tupperware containers with leftover grilled quail to save for tomorrow. Nobody can pull out a Ziploc bag and stuff it with bread and keep it by your bedstand so that you can have it tomorrow. Why in the world would God say no leftovers from this daily buffet? Why would he say that? It's another test. Test number two, write it down. God will test us every day. I believe he tests us in this way every single day and he gives us the test of tomorrow. The test of tomorrow. God looks at the people and says this, I'm going to test you to see if you will believe me today when I told you that I would provide for you tomorrow. I already told you that when you woke up tomorrow morning, there would be bread on the ground. And you know what that means? That means if you trust me, you don't need to keep bed, uh, bread in a Ziploc bag hidden away in your tent. If you trust me when I say I'll feed you tomorrow, then there's no reason for you to take a doggy bag home with you. It's a test of, t- of tomorrow. Will you trust God today knowing that he promised to take care of you tomorrow? That's the test that the Israelites are in. This is a, a lot of the way that people treat their finances. And uh, I'm, I'm 100% confident. Like, Listen to me. I'm 100% confident that your money is a way that God tests you every single day. Here's the thing. Most people live their lives with, I don't know what tomorrow will hold, so there's no way I can be generous today. There's no way I can help meet other people's needs today. There's no way I can share today. There's no way I can give away today. There's no way I can tithe to a local church today. There's no way that I can see a need and meet a need because here's the deal. Money is hard to come by even though God has already promised to take care of you. So every day with our finances is God saying, will you trust me with your tomorrow? And the way you're going to prove that is you're going to trust me today with your time, with your energy, with your efforts, with your resources. Will you live an open-handed life? Will you pour your life out for the sake of others knowing that in the word God promised that he would refill you back up and that you can't outgive God? You may say, well, well, where does he say that? Let me, let me fast forward to Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. People were coming up to Jesus and saying, God, what are we going to do about the food that we eat? What are we going to wear? I'm nervous about everything. Like, where is it? We got we to gotta live closed hand. I got to keep all this and save all this because I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. And you know how Jesus brings it all to a culmination? He says, here's what you need to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. And you know what happens when you seek first the kingdom of God? Jesus said, and all of the other things will be added unto you. What about the food? I'm pretty sure that falls under all. Well, what about tomorrow? Well, what about a month from now? Well, what about my bills? Seek the kingdom of God first. Put God first. Put your trust in God first. Put your faith in God first. And Jesus himself even promised, and God is going to take care of all of the other things. We live in a culture and in a world where every night people want to fill Ziploc bags with leftover bread because they're unwilling to trust God with their tomorrow. And scripture says they would get up in the morning and what they had saved and what they had put away in disobedience to God was filled with maggots and it stunk. Isn't that amazing? That God wouldn't even allow them to enjoy 
what they had saved because it was in disobedience to him. They didn't even get any satisfaction out of it. They lived closed-fisted, and when they had it all to themselves, God wouldn't even let them enjoy it. And Scripture says, finally, they learned their lesson, and each person would only get what they needed that day, and they would throw away the leftovers, and it was God's way of saying, I'll test you today to determine your faithfulness in tomorrow. How you doing? How you doing with the test? Every single day you face this test, and you're either passing or you are bombing. Finally, the Israelites got it. And God said, okay, so now that you've got it, now we can move on. Now we can move on from that place, and I'll give you another test, continuing to help you know who God is and increase your faith. Chapter 17, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. You already learned your lesson from that place, and they moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim. Check this out. But there was no water there for the people to drink. Does that sound familiar? This is like copy and paste right here. Chapter 15, it says they were wandering in the desert and they had no water to drink. Chapter 17, two chapters later, it says they were wandering in the desert and they had nothing to drink. This is it, right? No way they missed this. No way after God proved himself faithful. I mean, this this isn't even a different test. This is the same test. There's no way that these people turn their back on God. There's no way that they complain. There's no way that they don't trust after all God has done. After how many times he proved himself faithful. This is the third test. You ready? Jot it down. The test of trust. Every day, God is going to test your level of trust in him. And in this simple verse, God says, you are in the same situation you found yourself in just two chapters later. Now, here's what I want to do. Will you trust me? Will you trust me now? Will you trust me this time? You didn't trust me last time, but I proved myself faithful and I made a way and I gave you bread every morning and quail every night and I've, I've always given you, remember the stick trick? I threw that in the water and it was Dasani bottled water everywhere and everybody loved it and it was the best water ever. Yeah, yeah, I did that for you. Now, here's another test, right? Are you going to trust me? The exact same thing that you were going through. Surely these people are going to pass this test. Here's what verse 2 says. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Oh, man, shoot. After all God has done for them, They reach that point where God says, all right, I'm going to tee it up again. Exact same scenario, exact same thing, same God, same request, same leader, same people. Now, this is is an underhand softball pitch right here. You are going to crush this one. Swing and a miss. They complained against Moses. Instead of asking, instead of seeking God, instead of saying, we are out of water Of course God is going to provide. Hasn't he always? Has he ever done anything in our lives that would prove that he is unfaithful? Has he ever let us starve? Are we still alive today? Surely he's going to do this. But instead of believing, Scripture says they complained. Man, if this didn't sound so familiar in my life, this text wouldn't be so hard. Here's how Moses responds. You ready for this? (laughs) Quiet. (laughs) 
<laughs> Moses replied, why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? This is the point in the road trip where if you are a parent, you know exactly what Moses is fearing right now, right? This is the moment where your kids have been crying and complaining. She's touching me. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm bored. I'm tired. When are we going to get there? I need another snack. I'm thirsty. Dad, when are we going to get there? She's looking at me. And, and like as a parent, this is the point. Moses has this moment as a parent where he turns around and says, if you don't be quiet, I will pull this car over and I will spank you on the side of the interstate in front of God and everybody. <laughs> Moses looks at him and he just like, he's just fed up with it. He turns around to the people and says, shut up, shut up. Nobody wants to hear your mouth. No, you don't understand how annoying the sound of your voice is. You don't understand how many times is God going to have to provide for you? How many times is he going to prove himself faithful? How many days in a row did he give you the bread? Did you eat quail last night? Oh, that's right, you did all you could eat. And you're still crying? You're still complaining? Are you kidding me right now? Who are you people? Moses just gets fed up. In verse 3, it says, surely, you know, if you get a reprimand like that, you ever, you ever been strong with your kids before and their, like, attitude changes? They're like, okay, dad means business. Okay, we're going we're gonna to be, surely the people are going to do that. Check this out. But tormented by thirst. I'm so thirsty, dad, dad, I'm so thirsty. They continue to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. <laughs> Moses looks at God and said, I am done. I'm done with these peasants. They're threatening to kill me, and honest to God, I'm thinking that might be better than having to lead them for the next 40 years. Kill me now, God. What do you want to do with these people? These are your people. I am so frustrated at their lack of faith and their lack of gratitude and their short-sightedness. I'm so frustrated at their negative attitude and their unwillingness to trust you and their unwillingness to live a life that would honor you despite everything that you've done. Like, the crazy thing is, though, in the middle of this complaining, God had given them the bread in the morning and the quail at night. Here's the picture. With a handful of bread and a handful of meat, the Israelites are complaining, man, all this food is making me thirsty. All this provision from God, I'm so parched. Can't believe this. I guess God hates us. I guess God's not going to do anything. Man, Moses, thanks a lot, jerk. Thanks a lot. Now, what would you have done if somebody had said that to you? How would you have responded I mean, you see how Moses responds. Like, he's at his wit's end. Like, he is frustrated. He is tired. He is done with these people. He's like, God, they are yours. Let's look at how God responds in verse 5. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. These unfaithful, ungrateful, short-sighted, complaining, negative, bad-attitude people. Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff. 
this big stick, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. And here's what he tells Moses. He says, strike the, and if I were Moses, I'm jumping in right now, and they say, the people. Strike the people. Take this staff. God, I've been on this page since we were back in Egypt. I've been wanting to hit these people for months now. Now, you're patient and kind and loving. I'm done with them. Like, I am so glad we're on the same page now. I'm telling you, like, Moses is stretching at this point. He's like, I don't want to throw anything out when I start hitting these people with this stick. But I'm telling you, God, they will not forget this. Take the rod in your hand, the one that you struck the water. God, remember when I struck the water? I had it like a hammer, and I put it down like that. That's how I'm going to hit them, God, and they're going to learn their lesson, and this is going to be so awesome. And he said, strike the rock. Wait, the rock. Ah, okay, strike the rock, and out of the rock are going to come murder hornets, and they're going to swarm everybody and sting everybody, and they're all going to die. It's a twist, God. I never would have thought that, but I'm with you. I'm so sick and tired of these people. How unfaithful and ungrateful and just flat-out annoying these people are. Strike the rock, murder hornets. I'm in. I'll do it. Tell me the way. And God's like, Moses, calm down, bro. Strike the rock, and, and water will come gushing out. And then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and the water gushed out as the elders looked on. In spite of their lack of faith, in spite of their disobedience, in spite of their negative attitude and complaining, in spite of them turning on God every single step of the way, instead of totally losing sight of what God had done for them before. Here's how God responded to these ungrateful complainers. He gave them exactly what they needed. I can say this with absolute confidence that there is not a single person in this room or watching online that would have done what God did. You would have left these people a long time ago. You would have pulled this car over and issued some disciplinary action a long time ago. Let's be honest, you would have given up on you a long time ago. You know how many times you've dropped the ball? You know how many times God's provided for you, but the way you responded was with a negative attitude and complaining? You know how many times God has proven that he is trustworthy with your tomorrow, but you and I are unwilling to be faithful today because we don't trust that he'll do what he said he would do? You know how many days that describes in my life and in your life? We would have given up on us a long time ago. Like at this point in the story, I'm a, we're only two chapters into the road trip, and I'm already surprised that God hasn't turned the car around and driven them back to Egypt and dropped them back off into slavery. But that's the difference between you and God. Here's what I need for you to understand today. God is so kind. God is so loving. God is so compassionate. God is so gentle. God is so gracious. God is so merciful that even in our negative response to him, he responds by giving us exactly what we need. <laughs>
In this story, you are not God and you are not Moses. You and I are the people of Israel, constantly complaining about what God hasn't done, constantly complaining about the timeline because it didn't meet ours, constantly rebelling and complaining and, and worried about tomorrow despite the fact that God has always been faithful with our todays. And then despite God's faithfulness, we complain and we refuse to trust him even though it's a pattern of his faithfulness. He's never let us down. We've never gone a day where we didn't have what we needed. He's gotten us to this point so far. What makes you think he would stop now? So what do you think God would do to a person like you? A person that's a crier and a complainer. A person that so often lives close-handed, not trusting God with the future. A person that, despite God's faithfulness, we continue to doubt. We continue to respond with a poor attitude and the wrong words and the wrong actions. What do you think God would do in a moment like this? I can tell you what I would do. We saw what Moses did. Let me tell you what God did for you and I, Ephesians 2. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. What do you need to do in response to the words that you have just heard? How good is God to you? How loving and kind and compassionate and gracious and forgiving and merciful is God to you. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with that question. When we are confronted with your goodness, with your provision, with your promises, with your faithfulness, with your compassion, with your patience, with your unconditional love for us. God, we need the Holy Spirit now to help us to know how to respond in a way that would be worthy of the gift that you have given us. I pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.